If you're growing fast, just like we are, you know exactly how hard cash flow management can be. You've got customers to acquire, you've got ads to fund, you've got inventory to finance, especially if you don't wanna dilute yourself by raising around, what options do you have? Enter Wayflyer. With Wayflyer, you can get fast, flexible funding from 10K to $20 million at the best possible rates. No collateral, no dilution, just the funding you need to improve your working capital and help you grow your business. Join the thousands of businesses using Wayflyer to fund their growth. Go to wayflyer.com slash pod to learn more. The big thing we talk to our tier twos and tier threes about is, hey, you're really good at like resolving most customer issues and that's wonderful and that's that's great for that one customer. But what can you do on that phone call, on that chat, on that email, on that interaction that can actually make the, the company better? And our good ones will be like, hey, I saw you tried out our new Rafaela jumpsuit. Like what made you try out our jumpsuit? And that makes the company better because that's what feeds our future products. That's what feeds our innovation. That's what feeds the website improvements. Um, and that's where I think like CX really becomes so valuable to the organization. We're back. This is an interesting one. Uh, this is the first episode that I'm doing without Cody. Um, Cody's moving into a new place and offered me the keys to the house for <laughs> one episode and no better person to bring than Mr. Michael Bear, um, SVP of CX at Fix. Hey, everyone. Mike, how are nice you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's Friday. Cody, in addition to moving into a house, didn't he also just like celebrate a birthday? Cody has been doing a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, he's got a kid on the way in the next mm -hmm. couple of weeks. So, mm -hmm. you know. Cram it all in. I know. So <clears> it's, <throat> been, it's, been a, it's been a busy last couple of weeks. Um, but this is exciting. So yeah. Mike just moved somewhere in my area, which is exciting. So yeah. from West Coast to East Coast. Yeah. How is how's the East Coast energy compared to LA? It's good. It's good. I was, you know, I lived in Pennsylvania and Ohio my whole life before moving out to LA to join my last startup. Um, really enjoyed the seven years of living on the west side of LA. We lived, you know, blocks from the beach for a, a portion of it, which you just can't beat. Um, but after you have kids and there's, I think there's just a certain amount of time you could spend in LA and New York City for that matter, before you have to decide, am I doing this for the rest of my life? Or is this, is this like the end of the road? And like ultimately with the pandemic and then we made the decision to, to make my team remote permanently, um, really just opened up options of saying like, hey, do we wanna go back and be closer to family and friends? And as we thought about it, you know, and then for sure, once we started looking at housing here versus housing in, in LA, yeah. it was like no brainer, we gotta move back. So yeah, I'm super happy to be back, seeing friends all the time, get to hang out with people like you. So it's been great. Yeah, we still, we still have to get a dinner on the books. Yeah, um, for sure. But until then, I mean, so a little bit of context, how Mike and I met, um, I think, you know, when I started in CX and I share this story pretty often, you know, like CX was always an entry level kind of role. Um, and it was always like, you know, I knew executives in every part of the business, but CX executives weren't, you know, weren't exactly super common. Um, I think it was like mid 2019, 2020 when I'm like, fuck, do I want to make this a career? Um, I started connecting with other people that I thought were like crushing it in the, in the world of CX and I think at that point you were like a VP or an SVP at, at Figs, which is like, you know, recently went public, a tremendous company. I think people don't understand that Figs is, you know, they sell stunning scrubs, but you know, it sounds like a niche, but it's a, it's a sizable niche and it you, is. Know, you have a large team. And I was just like, okay, this is kind of, you know, besides for being a great looking dude, I mean, this guy built, <laughs> built a career in CX. Um, so we connected, must've been a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, I think so. 
right? And I was yeah. like, okay, what's the, like, let's, let's talk. And I think the first conversation we had was about doing things differently, yeah. um, which I think is like a, a perfect way to start this conversation. I think we, we were talking about surprise and delight. This was when I was at Olipop and we were just talking about like, how do you, how do you keep a team um, excited? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, CX has always been the, the toughest part. I mean, for me, I think it's the toughest part of the business. It's yeah. usually thankless. Um, mm -hmm. How do you keep a team motivated? And I think that's probably a good, a good jumping point for us. I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on. Yeah. So, yeah, happy to. So let me give a little bit of background because I think like maybe maybe similar to the moment you were having a couple years ago, I I just kind of reflect on me like, did I ever pick a career in CX? <laughs> um, so I actually started my career in the first seven and a half years in in sales. Uh, so like traditional inside sales, like seventy percent commission, uh, like very, <laughs> moments felt like boiler room and Wolf of Wall Street type of of situations. Um, and it was a really good experience. And what I think like the the main things that I took away from it were really good relationships. Like the person who actually sold me my house was someone who reported to me at that job 15 years ago. Um, I still have, you know, last night I was texting with a guy who who I hired and we were kind of like joking about like the training program that I used to run back in 2007, which was probably a joke. Um, but the thing that the sales, so I ended up, you know, kind of switching from, from that sales role and got opportunity to go work for an energy startup, which then gave me, you know, the bug for startups. But I went into a customer service role. And what I really kind of realized was a lot of like great customer uh, service is, is actually like a lot of what makes great salespeople. Um, you're personable, you're empathetic, you're solutions oriented. Um and for me, as someone who was like working on building departments, it, it was very similar. I was, I was hiring for very similar people. Like in sales, I constantly was hiring for like 51% sales skills, 49% customer service sales. And honestly, like I think some of the best CX people are also like they're, they're, they have a little bit of that sales mentality. Like they, they believe in the product. They want the customers to continue to buy, to continue to subscribe. Um, and so I actually hire pretty similar profiles. Um, and, and so for, for me, yeah, what I actually realized was like, I was never really that motivated by like number or not numbers necessarily, but like quotas or commission or anything like that. I was motivated by teams and great customer experiences. Like I wanted to walk down the street and run into someone who bought the product that I worked for and like get excited for them, um, to tell me about it. And that's, you know, figs is that like, I love meeting our customers randomly. They, they just like gush over it. And it's like such a nice feeling. Um, yeah, and then, you know, kind of to my, my, my comment I made ago, you know, I last night I was at a dinner with um, people that I went to that energy startup with. Um, and like, it was the, t it was like the team, it was the relationships you build. And, and I think that's a lot of like what makes CX attractive. And I think like, as you build out teams, you really, you really want that camaraderie, you really want that friendship. Like, I think it's, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit um, lost in, in the pandemic world, but I think like, you know, you build great friendships with those people. And these are people that you, you know, often share similar soft skills and, and, and morals and, and ethics and um, integrity with. Um, and so they just kind of naturally become people that you're like, I really like that person. And I would love to work with them for the next decade. So, um, so yeah, I don't know if I ever, similar to you, I don't know if I ever, I ever chose to work in CX, but the things I love about it are like the opportunity to like build teams and then also just like provide those great experiences that you, you know, take a little bit of pride in when you run into that customer on the street. Uh-oh, I can't hear you. 
Okay, not sure how that happened. There we go. But um, a couple of points you made there that I really loved um, that I think it's worth pausing on is I think number one, the, the synergy between like a sales role and, and a customer experience role. Like I was chatting with somebody uh, a couple of weeks ago and he was like, you know, I work in sales and I hated it. And I said like, you chose to work in sales. I'm curious why. And he's like, well, I love kind of people and understanding people. And I'm like, this is kind of the, the fork in the road where it's yeah. like, if you love sales, but you hate the quotas and the kind of the like, I must sell things even though the person might not love it. Like yeah. that, you know, like the, yeah. where you kind of cross over that bridge. I think, you know, the other side of that bridge is customer experience and customer success and just like you love people, but you're not necessarily the most extroverted. Like yeah. I, I feel like I'm super introverted, but I also love deep relationships with people that care about similar things, kind of like you're describing. Yeah. Um, and then I think that the other point that you made that was really, uh, you know, I was like smiling as you were saying is like, you know, the, the idea that you can create teams of people that all kind of vibe with the same idea. Um, mm -hmm. But also, I think, thinking about how when you build a customer experience team and you're like, okay, we all love the same thing, but I think it's it's the soft skills that I think CX people have more than anyone else in the business that yeah. we kind of see between the lines. And we're like, okay, this person's complaining irrationally about something. It doesn't feel like the biggest deal. Like, we obviously screwed up a little bit more than what they're what they're leading on. Yeah. Um, I, think that's, I think that's been my biggest um, kind of search when I'm hiring is like, I'm looking for people that can read between the lines of a conversation. They can yeah. tell if I'm getting like really, you know, uninterested in what they're saying or hyper interested in what they're saying and kind of continue down that road. And that's really like a sales technique. But I think yeah. salespeople are pushing towards a sale versus CX people are pushing towards like, how can you and I collaborate and understand each other more? So yeah, yeah. And that's what good, good CX people do. Like they, they work towards that resolution. They work towards like a better relationship. Um, and then the really good ones are the ones that can then take that and turn that into conversations that actually improve not just that one customer's experience, but tens or hundreds or thousands of customers experience. Like I think one of the things that we try to talk to our, so we have three tiers of associates on our team, tier one, tier two, tier three. The big thing we talk to our tier twos and tier threes about is, Hey, you're really good at like resolving most customer issues and that's wonderful. And that's, that's great for that one customer. But what can you do on that phone call, on that chat, on that email, on that interaction, that can actually make the the company better and our good ones will be like hey tell me like why did you you know we launched uh, a mob and space diet or space gray sorry space navy colors last week what did you like about it um hey i saw you tried out our new Raffaella jumpsuit like what made you try out our jumpsuit um uh what would you you know if there was something that you wish figs would make what would be that thing you would make um and i think that is like that's a skill that is like that as a communication skill to be able to insert that into a problem solving conversation and walk away. And like, we have a couple of associates and you know, one of them is now a manager on our team that were just like, I would listen to the calls or I'd read the chat transcripts and I'd be like, man, that's so good. Like that's so much better than I can do. Um, that's what the really good ones do. And that makes the company better because that's what feeds our future products. That's what feeds our innovation. That's what feeds the website improvements. Um, and that's where I think like CX really becomes so valuable to the organization because they start to, um, especially in, in D2C e-commerce where you don't have a retail team that can kind of give you live feedback, they become that voice of the customer in the most tangible way. I, I love it. I think the the customer insights piece um, is something I always talk about, like brands will go spend $100,000 yeah. to this crazy agency that'll come and basically just harass people with surveys, whereas mm -hmm. like your team can be asking that on a regular day. I think the skill of kind of like what you delineate with a tier one and tier two, I think the skill can also be explained as like, 
knowing when is the right time to ask that question. If somebody yeah. reaches out and they're like, fuck you guys, I've been waiting for weeks for your order. And then you're like, by the way, why did you choose this? And you're like, okay, yeah, not the you? time. Yeah, respectfully. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think it's like, you know, when people are, you know, I talk to my team about, you know, knowing when people are excited to talk to you versus mm -hmm. want the issue resolved. And yeah. I think our tone is, is, is and should be entirely different, right? So if it's like somebody wants to get their issue resolved, you send them the tracking number, you apologize and you let them go on with their day versus yeah. somebody being like, this company changed my life. And you're like, okay, can you tell me more about that? Can we pause totally. on that thought? Like um, go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And yeah. what's a tier three? Yeah. For us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a tier three for us is really like the person who's like getting ready to, to be the next manager. Um, they're also like doing a lot of those cross-functional meetings. So every employee who joins, um, no matter what role they're in, even executives have to do four weeks of CX shadowing. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of times our tier threes will do a, lead a lot of that shadowing. They'll join cross-functional meetings. They're that person who's like, you're, you are, tr you, you, I, like, I, I remember I was this person at the bank. I was that whenever I was an associate, um, like they would always send the executives to sit with me. And like, in retrospect, I kind of realized I was like, oh, they did that because they trusted me. They trusted mm -hmm. that I was going to like represent the brand and the customer experience in our department. Well, and that's how I think of our, like our tier threes. Like I put any, anyone with them, I'd put our CEO, I'd put our board, like these are actually the people that usually like will help out for orders on for board members or for big mm -hmm. shareholders and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they're just taking on that more responsibility. They're get, getting used to that cross-functional. They're running teams when their manager is out for a week to get a sense of like, hey, do you like people coming to you with questions all day? Do you like giving people coaching? Do you like giving them um, direction? Because um, that's you know a lot of what being a, man, a frontline manager is. So really getting ready, getting them ready for that next step, and um, yeah, so their their day becomes less production oriented and, and much more getting ready for that next step. I think it's something that's not spoken about enough. How becoming a manager is always glorious, but I think when you think like for me, it's only been three years since, or a little over three years since I've been an associate, and yeah. you know, there's something about like the hardest part of transitioning from associate to a, a director role um, was the fact that I wasn't doing the work anymore. Like yeah. my entire position changed completely. Like I wasn't yeah. in the inbox and I was like, well, A, I missed that. Cause that's like where I, that's where I shut my brain off. Like yeah. that's where I just like, I just operate. I yeah. just, I, I know exactly what people want to hear. Like that's how I got here. It's like, mm -hmm. I, I fucking love that. Mm -hmm. um, and not being able to do that was like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while. Like it took me a while at Olipop and now I feel like it's already gone easier where I can like kind of shift that passion into like how can I inspire other people yeah. um, to want to do the things that I love doing. I think my wife and I were actually chatting about this this morning like um, you know like what what is it about you know like some, some great CX leaders will join a company and it'll be the same employees the same processes, but from one moment to the next or one month to the next, it gets significantly better. Mm. And like, what is it about those people that can come in and transition a team without actually removing anything? Um, and I was thinking about that over the last couple of weeks, even at Jones Road, like, you know, we've been getting compliments, like the CX team is awesome. And I'm like, I don't know what I changed. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about that. And I think the answer is like the energy, like I, yeah love this like yeah. and and my team realizes that and and aside from that it's like we have 30 to 60 minute calls with the team every week just talking about what they're doing this weekend and just like spending time yeah. with them and putting on those weekly or bi-weekly calls instead of tossing them in a the corner with a laptop totally. and i think that's that's been like 
honestly the most rewarding part of my career. Yeah. And I think it's like, as you grow people from a associate to a manager and a director, I think being yeah. able to see that transition. Um, and you've, you've operated on much larger teams than I have. I've always been on small teams. I'm curious on your thoughts on, you know, something I think about often is like, how do you, you know, like there's only X amount of manager positions on a team of 50. Yeah. So like, how do you, if somebody, you know, you have 10 people gunning for the same position, like how do you let, how do you let people down slowly? How do you grow yeah. people? If it's not CX, where do they go next? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just like touch on, I think your energy point is so important and like whether you will admit this or not, there is something to having their leader have be the DDC guy. It's, it's <laughs> I appreciate people, that. people, you know, one thing I did learn early on in my, in my sales career was like, we had a, you know, we had our regional manager who's always like, people need to want the next job. They need mm -hmm. to look at your job and say it's attractive. And so I do think about that. It really, you know, not that it should be easy, but it should be attractive. And I think like you make wanting to be the senior director of Jones Road Beauty uh, CX look attractive, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, like to your, to your question of like, as you get bigger, there's a finite number of roles. How do you kind of deal with that? I think that's, that's super important. So, you know, I guess like first thing first is like my hiring philosophy, which I shared in your, um, in your newsletter recently is like, we hire for PA, people with PhDs, uh, passionate, hungry, and driven. So I want people that in their interview, they're asking me about promotions. They're asking me what it takes. Like I want those people to push and from day one through to the end of the time, I want them to like want to do the next thing. And so the culture that I, I've tried to establish over my organization, over my, over my time is like one, I will lead by example in hiring from within. So almost every single one of my managers was an associate for sure. All of our tier twos and tier threes, I've never hired a tier two or tier three outside. Um, our director was an associate at one point, our project, our like PM for our team, who's a, who's a senior manager level, same deal. Um, and so I think that's like first thing. And then second is really making, I, I really try to intentionally uh, elevate the culture and the, the view of CX within the organization so that people view associates, not as like, oh, this is just an associate who like does this like important job. I use air quotes. Um, but like actually has like real value to the organization. And so in my first couple of months there, we had someone who went over to be an EA and then we shortly had someone who went over to work in an operations position. And then we, and then we had our first person go over to the physical product team, like literally design our clothes. Oh, wow. And why? Because we were hiring people that came from fashion degrees and like, you, you know, you get out of fashion school and you might not be able to get like a, a design job right away, but you can get a CX job. And I was like, well, I'll take, I'll definitely will take these people. Cause like now they work for me. They've interacted with tens of thousands of customers and they're going to go design our products. And like, this hasn't happened once or twice. This has happened like numerous times to the extent where like we have people in every single department, except engineering and finance. Those are going to be really hard ones probably for me to place. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think the thing I try to tell people when, you know, some of these, you know, some of these transitions happen at six months, but honestly, like they gave the, the, those employees were, were like killers for six months great customer experiences, so much value to our organization, great culture ads, and they didn't leave CX. They went to work on the supply chain team or they went to work on the fulfillment team or they went to work on logistics. And they take that customer empathy and that real, like not that like, oh, this is who we are because this, this is what the marketing team says we are, but like who customers say we are with them in, in every step. I, I love that. Um, well, I love that for two reasons. N number one, I think it's like the amount of actual customer qualitative insight they have from talking oh, to tens of thousands so of customers can never discount that, right? Like 
they're designing the clothes based on all the complaints and the compliments they've gotten over the last, I don't know, six to 12 months, which is awesome. And then the second reason why I think it's amazing is because as people jump into teams, like I think we've, we're, we're battling this, you know, 30 year ideology around CX that it's just like, it's an entry level role. I mean, and aside from like how difficult it is and, you know, maybe it is underpaid, maybe it isn't separate conversation, but aside from all that, I think what's, what's, you know, difficult about CX is that, you know, we talk about this often, how it's kind of this catch 22 where you need to be super empathetic, but if you're super empathetic, it, bu- it bugs you out when you can't fix something and yeah. all that. But I think it's like, it's always been this dead end. And I think a lot of the large brands have kind of continued pushing this where like people came and were associates for four years at a company. And then, and I've personally tried to like help some of these people that have been at those brands find jobs elsewhere because these people are overqualified as a manager at this point. Yeah. I mean, like they, they've been leading the team with an associate title mm-hmm. um, because managers, you know, leader, I wouldn't say manager, I say leaders are always leaders. Like leaders yeah. don't start to lead when they're, when they're 10 years into a role. Leaders are leading not by telling people what to do, but by inspiring others. Yeah. I think that's, that to me resonates the most. I think like Simon Sinek and all his books talking about how like, you know, leaders do leadership, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't wait to be told. Um, you know, yeah, like, I think that's the thing. It's already cut you off. The no, you're fine. That, that I love that, that I think you and I like really connect on is if you are sitting in a manager level role or director level role today and you're like, but I don't feel like CX is really valued in my organization. You have two paths in my mind. Your path is either one, you need Quit. to do the work. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the third. I'll give you two. That, that could be one too. Um, is one, you need to figure out how to elevate your personal brand within the organization. Like this is so important. Like you need to have a brand and that people are like, he hires excellent, top-notch caliber people that that the organization values and the data and the insights that come out of his organization or her organization um, are really, really valuable. Mm-hmm. So that's first. Um, or you need to figure out how to get the leadership team. And oftentimes it's the CEO who's got to be there for it. Yeah. Um, like I, I would really be interested in, in, in your, in your review of like going to Bobby Brown or going to JBR. Um, did you get that sense from Bobby that she really values CX? Like she, cause it's going to be hard to convince someone if they already have a predisposition disposition. There we go. Uh, that it's not there, but you know, I, I've, I've worked for a couple CEOs that's just like, you can tell from like day one, like that's, they, they, they give customers their cell phone. Like they want to hear this stuff. And so you, those are two, like two kind of prerequisites to being able to get that, that, that status elevation. It's spot on. I think it's, it's, it's really, 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 really difficult to sit at your current role and tell people that they, you know, like, oh, well they dislike CX, so I have nothing I can do about it. Um, yeah, I think the both of your points, like number one around like personal brand, I think we we confuse personal brand as like the Twitter followers you have yeah. or the LinkedIn followers you have, and I think it's it, that's bullshit. Um, that might be great to help you get a role, yeah. Um, but I think when it comes to like your personal brand within the organization, a thousand percent, that's never spoken about enough. Like the mm-hmm. reason why I was able to get Olipop to focus more on CX is like. To your point, the second point, yeah, they have to be bought in at some at some extent. But if they're not bought in, I think the third option that that I would say, aside from the, you should quit. Um, you know, the third option I'd say is like show them why it's valuable. Yeah. 
show them the metrics. And you and I have spoken about that a bunch of times. We can get into that in a little bit of like how yeah. you can actually prove out metrics wise, but like show them how valuable, like, you know, something that I talk about that I think most CX people don't do enough is whether it's weekly, biweekly, quarterly, like share a review on what you're learning. It can be a qualitative review on a launch, but it can also be like, here, here are the metrics. Like not about, hey, look, I got the CSAT score to whatever, give me a raise bullshit. Yeah. More so is like, look at what we're seeing from our customers and look at what my team is doing. Like something yeah. that I do nonstop is like, I try my hardest to elevate people on my team so people see what a rock star they are. Yeah. So that, and that shows that CX is valuable. You don't have to say like, look, Ma, I'm doing this. You can be like, look at my team. Like, look at yeah. the response we got this week. I mean, it's a dime a dozen, the responses we get from people saying like, this is the best customer experience I've ever had in my life. And it's like, look at look at this team. Yeah. Um, I think that's the third option. But yeah, I mean, I think personal brand within the organization is like, this is what I want to create. Like leaders buy into, I mean, leaders inspire others, but they also buy into other people's inspiring ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, to, when I came in at Olipop, like I remember on my interview, so I was at Nugs as, a, as an associate and Olipop was hiring me as a director. And, and when I joined the interview process, they were about to make an offer for somebody else. Like they had already gone through 50 or 100 people. Oh, and wow. I got connected through a warm intro. And I remember 25 minutes into a 30 minute call, the... Um, person I was interviewing with, she's like, you know, we've kind of gotten to the end of a process with somebody else, but we feel like you're part of our, you know, like you're a warm intro. So we wanted to give you the whatever of talking to you. And I was like, wait, fuck. Uh, and I kept her on the call for another 30 minutes, just like selling yeah. my, my passion. I was like, and I, and I was very straightforward. I said, I imagine people you're interviewing have 10 more years of experience than I do, <laughs> but I swear that they don't have the passion about doing things differently. And then with my interview with both co-founders, I said the same thing. I said like, you will a thousand percent find people that have more experience than me. Yeah. And you know, what I have is, is the desire to do something different. I shared this on the podcast, um, in the past around like with Bobby, it was the same thing. Like, I mean, she's Bobby Brown. She can hire anyone, anyone. from anywhere. Yeah. And it's like, she can hire and the other person I was going against was somebody with a decade of experience in, in luxury goods in the exact industry. And it's like me, a dude that's trying to get into a mascara <laughs> position. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm clearly not the, the first person you think of. Um, yeah. And that was exactly what I sold to her. Like, I want to do things differently. I want her mm -hmm. come to me. You know, like, obviously, you make great products. You're a legend. You're, you know, like, you've done this. You've built a billion-dollar brand. You'll do it again. But I want to create a brand that's known for customers. And Bobby, I've even seen over the last six months um, since I've joined, she's gotten, you know, every time I talk to her, I talk to her every, every week or two. And every time I talk to her, she's increasingly interested in, like, getting closer to the team and getting That's closer awesome. to the customers and hey can I I mean like she's insanely busy and and every time I talk to her she's like can I sign cards so you can send them out can I like like she just is obsessed with and and the reason why she's obsessed with it is because we share it like we yeah. share what yeah. we've learned we share yeah. these rave reviews and I think if you're sitting in the corner complaining saying like my CEO doesn't care about CX mm -hmm. it's your job to show them why they should yeah um yeah I think so yeah it's an awesome I'll point I think like, you know, that one of the things that uh, is really hard, uh, depending on where you are in your career is, is accepting that efforts are no longer what are going to get results. It's mm -hmm. the outcomes that really will like get you what you want. And I think so many CX leaders are like, they, they focus on their important things, but maybe not the most important thing. And so, you know, service levels are important, but are they the most, the most important thing? Um, you know, just use some stats like CSAT or, um, 
um, or response time, you know, staffing levels, you know, th those things are like important as a CX leader, but are they the most important thing to your organization? You know, I worked for, uh, I did a short stint in, in, in B2B SaaS. And the thing that I, I always kind of like uh, was frustrated by initially, but then realized like why it was so important was how, how valuable Facebook comments were to this, the co-CEOs. Um, and, and what I was initially is just like, but, but like there's this mountain of data from our customer support and from our customer success and all these other places. But what I realized is like, ultimately, like, you know, they, they only had so much time in the day and Facebook messages gave them an immediate, yeah. <laughs> like immediate, like feedback mechanism an immediate connection to the customer. And so take that for its worth and like, you know, figure out a way to, um, you know, build on that interest in that one channel to other channels and, and really find a way to elevate your, uh, your, your, your team. Mike, this is your sales. This is your sales experience talking. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> it, I think it does. I mean, I think it's like, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, comments about there, like, it's, you know, one of the most important things you can do right out of, out of school or, or right out of whatever is, is go get a sales job. Because I do think if you can like, you know, I was for what it's worth, like, Interesting little fun fact that I don't often share, but maybe this will be interesting for the leaders. Um, I was on a PIP my first year out of college at my sales job. I was so bad at it. I was uncomfortable. I it was a lot of like cold calling. I would just I was just terrible. Like I would get in front of people, and I was like, you know, 22 years old, right out of college, and just like literally like just like kind of shaking in front of customers. And I was so bad. I got put on a PIP. But what I had was the nicest, and I'm so connected to him. Like shout out to Jason uh, and Keith. Um, the nicest manager who was like, you're not a bad employee. You're not like a, you're, you're, you're just, this isn't for you. Like this specific thing isn't for you. Fun fact, I ended up getting transferred in that department. And luckily the hiring manager for that transfer never did. He did a reference check on me, but never asked about my performance metrics. I go to that <laughs> new sales role. There's 25 people in that department. My first month there, I was number two, second wow. month, number one. And I, I just show that example because I, I think like for anyone who's out there, maybe who's like had a struggle, you know, there's a lot of layoffs going on right now. Like that is not, that is, that is a point in time. That is a specific role that you're in that you are not a failure. That is, um, you just, you know, you're not in the right place and, and you never know when, you know, I, so I, I feel so blessed that like, you know, Jason and Keith were able to make that connection for me to, to get you know, to where I want to be. Um, but that failure for whatever it is, um, and that experience of like sitting in front of people and talking on the phone and trying to convince them to to see things the way you see them, really valuable experience. Because like whether you want to or not, you're going to do that for the rest of your career. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm I'm hearing all of this and I'm like slowly digesting. Well, I think yeah. like I would be interested to know like, do you feel like your retention? Because I, I I really admire that you have been able to like marry CX with retention. Um, I did it for a subscription company prior, but that was mm -hmm. like, that was like, like on the interaction retention, not retention, uh, marketing in the way that you do it. I'm interested, like, do you view that as sales? Do you view that as CX or do you view it as like a whole different like motion? Yeah, I think that the, a few things, first of all, I think sales, like you're saying is, is not always about selling a product. It's about selling yourself. Like mm -hmm. every single role I ever get, I mean, I'm a high school dropout. I mean, every role I've ever gotten was from selling myself. Like I was always going against MBAs and, and, you know, people with master's degrees and 
you know, a degree in economics from Brown. And it's like, I don't have any of that. So I was always like, I have to sell myself to get through any door. My dad, since I'm like 14, he's like, you will always be like, you have to go into sales, you'd crush it. And the thing I hate about the sales world, and I, I did spend the short six weeks in like a boiler room sales mm. uh, position doing cold calls in Israel, which is like not on my resume and not on my LinkedIn. But um, the thing that I hated about sales was like, I was trying to, like it was like hard money lending. And I'm like, I'm trying to convince this business owner and fucking God knows where that he needs money when he doesn't. Like, yeah. this feels grimy. Like, yeah. I love selling myself because at some points I believe in myself. Like, I yeah. honestly believe that I will do CX differently than somebody that has a decade of experience in a luxury brand. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to, back on your on your question about the retention piece, like, the, the first four years of my career, I was a complete generalist. I did everything. The company was 17 people when I started. At the end, it was just myself and the CEO. I was the only native English speaker, so I, I did everything. The wow. only parts of the business I didn't touch were finance and design. Um, and I, I, I did like, I was doing Facebook ads and, and Amazon ads and investor relations and trade shows and business development and copywriting and email and, and everything. So, yeah. you know, it was a, it was a tiny company with a lean team. Um, you know, I guess lean would be an understatement, but yeah. what I, what I loved about that was I felt like that was my real life education. Like that was my MBA. Um, and as yeah. I kind of, you know, started kind of pushing in my career, I realized that that was a once in a lifetime Unless I started a company, and I did start a company that failed, but unless mm -hmm. I started a company, the only way I was able to be a generalist was if I chose these tiny companies. I wanted to work at successful companies. And my first kind of like specified role was at Nugs. Um, I was in the inbox answering probably 700 emails a week on my own. Um, and I was like, okay, this is, this is killing my brain. I, I love the generalist type role. So when I joined Olipop, um, my um, official role was director of CX. And you know, they, they had, they were working with an agency and they had no real retention person. So they were going to start hiring for retention. I said, wait, pick me. I want to do it. Um, and what I loved about retention marketing is kind of similar to the way, I guess my, my view on CX is more holistically, as far as like, you know, the way people stick around is when they have a great customer experience throughout every part of the customer journey. So whether they, you know, when they met our brand through the Instagram ad, are we selling what we're actually delivering? Like, are we making a promise that we can meet? Are we promising, you know, bullshit to kind of get them past the finish line and not delivering? Are, you know, is the website a great experience? So I, I do think that, you know, new age retention is like the CX, what I call 2.0 of like yeah. looking at every part of the customer journey, not just where's my order emails mm -hmm. and phone calls. Um, and then the only piece, you know, to add on top of that is that like, tactical marketing piece where it's like, when do I send the SMS and which email do I send? So that was like my big learning curve at Olipop was like, okay, I need to learn like which email flows should I be running and which, you know, and, and I was working alongside the agency at that point and then we hired an email person. So I was like responsible for the broader retention, but I had, you know, the tactical email person and at Jones, it's similar, you know, like I work with Joanne who is an amazing email and SMS marketer and, and I can be a thought partner on like, what does it take to retain a customer? So I think it's, yeah. it's kind of this broader vision and I, I just love it cause I, you know, I get, I get kind of bored doing the same thing every day. So I love <laughs> like the ability to, you know, it's also a tiny company so I can yeah. hop into a marketing meeting and talk to, you know, our product team. And I yeah. think the, the most fun has always been, and I'm sure you, you're, you're in a similar place with fashion is like, sharing customer 
issues with product team and you know getting product feedback um, and sharing it with customers and kind of like that. I, that I, I fucking love that D to C like direct line of communication. Yeah. Like yeah. something goes wrong and it's the person at the next office that you talk mm-hmm. to. I love that. Yeah. 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 When everything is on a web page, you can, you can fix a lot of stuff uh, quickly. Um, you guys are fully D to C, right? We are. No retail. Yeah. We, we just had um, we just had a three-day sample cell in Melrose that had, I'm not exaggerating, had lines around the corners the whole time. The average wait was four hours to get into the shop crazy people flew in like literally flew in for it um we're lining up we're camping outside every morning it's It's crazy it's the part where you're just like it's you're like man this is like you go to it and you're like this is so cool like these like customers love this product and it's like so uh, i don't think people believe it that it's like you guys are selling scrubs but i tell people all the time like (laughs) unless you work in healthcare you'll have no idea but obviously like you know you're uh, your partner wears them. Um, so, yeah. you know, you can appreciate it, but, um, but yeah, I think like most people don't realize just like, you know, how many people in healthcare, how many people work in healthcare for a, but then how many people in healthcare have to wear scrubs and we yeah. sell more than scrubs. We, we, we say, um, we sell a ton of other stuff, but, um, but yeah, it's really exciting, um, to see, you know, and, and just like the future expectation of like when we might have uh, retail. I see people wearing figs on the street and I'm just like, I smile. Cause I'm like, I know the guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which fun. is funny, but fun. so, yeah, I mean, we're in a similar situation where, I mean, we, we have like a partnership with Credo, which has 12 stores around the country and they carry some Jones road, but for the most part, I mean, like we're 98%, 99% D to C through our website. And then we have this flagship store in Montclair, New Jersey, um, yeah. which is like our one retail, uh, situation for right now. Um, but it's, I, I just, you know, at Olipop, we were like 70% retail. And I hated like the math I was doing and people ask me this often, like, how did you kind of strategize around like what to expect when you go retail as far as Mm -hmm. like how many tickets should you expect? And I was like, the fact that we were 70% retail and less than 1% of our tickets were from retail. Wow. How crazy. I mean, it just goes to speak to like how disconnected that customer, like right. Target or whoever, uh, Whole Foods, like they own that customer experience. So like you don't, but like the same exact issues that we were having with like soda being flat and the can being damaged, like any kind of beverage company has, mm-hmm. we would have thousands of tickets a week coming or a month coming into CX, but none of those were retail customers. And that, like you're saying, like it's crazy how disconnected customers are. And it's like yeah. there's 0% chance that we're not having the same issues at Whole Foods, but they're probably just saying, fuck it. Like nobody's going back to Whole If you're shopping at Whole Foods, you're not going back with a single can of soda and being like, I want a refund, right? So it's like, and what it's does like that the, say about retention? Yeah. All it does is like pop into my head, the Billy Madison, like dented can special. Yeah. I forget what movie that's from, but. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, right? It's like, it's like what, so these people buy it, they never, and they probably won't purchase again because they, yeah. if you taste Olipop for the first time and it's from the tiny percentage of cans that are flat, you're never ordering again. If you order yeah. it online, you just email us. We send you a new case. Down to Chat is brought to you by Swag.com. Uh, we are going to be talking more about employee retention in this podcast. And I think one of the super important parts of keeping employees is making them feel valued. Um, it's core to company culture. It's core to making people feel welcome. And so many brands pull out this janky old swag uh, that people don't want to keep. Swag.com is exciting because they carry thousands of incredible products from 
custom tech to apparel like North Face and Yeti and Nike and so much more. Swag.com works with 5,000 companies like Amazon, Netflix, Spotify, TikTok, Google, Apple, and a whole bunch of small startups. Um, what the most exciting thing for swag, the most exciting thing for me on swag.com is that you can create these custom gift templates where when somebody joins your company, they fill out a form, uh, they go into, onto this landing page. I know Cody's a big landing page guy, hop on a landing page and you can actually, you know, brand this landing page. And it feels like your company's swag selection page, which is absolutely awesome. And you can ship 50 different swag boxes to 50 different addresses all on their site. So excited for that. Uh, if, you, if you use promo code D2C10 at checkout, you get 10% off your first order. Um, check it out, swag.com. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I am always curious, like the, the, the brands that really like, you know, their main sales channel is Amazon. Um, you know, it just really disconnects you from that customer experience. And obviously like, Amazon gives amazing customer experiences, but like they're getting the credit for that, not your brand. Um, and so how do you ever like build a community? How do you ever build um, that relationship if, if, you're, if you're using those, those channels? I get shit for this all the time because I'm like, I'm a, I'm a D2C purist and I, I don't love Amazon. Um, yeah. I mean, at Olipop we were doing, once we actually, so the reason why we ended up launching on Amazon was we saw one of our competitors was bidding on the Olipop keyword on Amazon and they were absolutely eating her lunch. They were doing like a few hundred thousand dollars a month for people searching for Olipop no way. and buying them. And that was like, we are, we're not going to let that happen. Yeah. So we eventually launched on Amazon and we were doing quite a bit of revenue. And again, we'd get one ticket a month. Like it was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and like you're saying, Amazon does offer solid experiences when it comes to like supporting people and fixing their issue. But I've never thought about, you know, when I buy a product from Amazon, I don't get it or I get it damaged. I never think like, wow, this company has great customer service. I think Amazon has great customer service. Yeah. So it's like, and, and again, like, you know, with all the technology, like they're, you know, every, everyone's got a cousin that's selling a way to like get your data from Amazon. But for the most part, you you don't have their email and it's not about like their email and their demographic information. It's about like, as a DTC brand, we can spend, I mean, at the moment we're spending weeks ideating about our post-purchase email journey. And it's like, if you think that that's important for a customer, especially in our world where it's education around the use of makeup, like if you yeah. think that's important for an online customer, but on Amazon, they don't need any of that. I mean, you're crazy. Yeah. Like it just, if you're buying a product that's called Miracle Balm and you've never used anything remotely similar to that and you buy that on Amazon and you have no idea how to use it, why on earth? I mean, if you're not, if you're like super passionate, you'll go on Instagram and try to find videos that show you how to use it. But it's like, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a D2C purist. So yeah. It's challenging. Cancel I mean, me. You need to find, <laughs> you need to find those additional channels, but those additional channels, um, you know, could, could erode difficult. other parts of your business. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of money. It's like people that skip Amazon leave a lot of money on the table yeah. and we get yeah. this all the time. Cody and I will have people reach out and be like, you guys are nuts. Like you don't sell on Amazon. And it's like, you know, we're, we're at a point with this business as a bootstrap business. that's like not going to like, you know, we're not, we're not aiming to like just explode and sell tomorrow. Like there's yeah. a vision of building something long-term and it's like, yep. you know, the, the, the obsession about brand. And I mean, Figs is a great example of a company that went to IPO fully D2C, like it's possible. Totally. Um, but I think it's like these, and and the next kind of like, 
I guess, topic I want to hit on is your surprise in the light, because I know we chat about that a long time ago, and I think yeah. that's another kind of a great segue into that is thinking about like these con customer connections and conversations. Yeah. Um, I know, I think that's probably one of the first things we connected about because I was probably. talking about surprise in the light and you're like, yeah. we do something similar at Figs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to, yeah. do you want to jam about that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple, you know, there's a couple brands out there just like super inspirational, like Chewy's obviously yep. most people know that. Um, it's, it's, you know, you can't, you can't go six months without getting that, <laughs> that Chewy post, that yeah. LinkedIn message yeah. or that Twitter post that you're like, yeah. million people like this, huh? Um, I know. And we're like, we've seen this already. Can yeah. you guys stop liking it? No, it's so good. Yeah. It's so <laughs> right. good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I also think like there, you know, there's some other ones, like if you read about the, you know, kind of initial success of SoulCycle designing their t-shirt in, in ways that's a little bit surprising to light Peloton. And I think kind of copied this a little bit with their hundredth or century mm -hmm. ride shirt, which yep. then became like so big that they ended up having to put it on their website. And I don't even, they probably don't even do it anymore given, uh, given the state of the business, but yeah, but yeah, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's not the, it's not the gift itself. Like, yeah, maybe Chewy's is the painting. I, I would be hard pressed to say many of those customers actually put the painting on their wall. And it's like, they think it's like a Monet or a, Picasso or something like that yeah but it's it's the act it's the it's the recognition of the moment um and so you know over over the last like seven or eight years a couple of different companies I've worked for we've we've really tried to think about how do you how do you take those those great moments and make them like you know memorable like how do you how do you take that um that like thing that brightened their day and maybe like brighten their week or their month or their year um and so, yeah, I think, you know, I think most of it is just like, can you get, can you get like budget for it? Can you, can you sell people on the vision that I can take, you know, if we get 50,000 interactions a month, I can take, I can skim off the top 50 or I can skim off the top 500. And these are like 45 minute long conversations on the phone or someone who shared, I mean, obviously there's, you know, there's tragedies that happen all the time that, you know, just take those moments. And, and really try to acknowledge. So, you know, over, over my, over my time, we've done fun things like, you know, one time someone was on the phone with a customer and they heard little mermaid in the background and the, the, the woman shared that it was her son or daughter's favorite movie. And we sent them a little mermaid uh, stuffed animal um, customers, you know, it was really fun one that we've mentioned a couple of times where a customer wrote in and he asked us to buy him a Ferrari. And so we bought him a remote control Ferrari. Um, <laughs> Customers, you know, especially like with our business, love to take pictures. Like it's a very communal thing. People get together. They'll all wear the same color in the office that day, or they'll do like the rainbow, which is a really pr pretty one. Sometimes customers will send us in like ones where we're like, that could be a poster, and we'll turn it into a poster, and then we'll Amazing. ship it back out to them. Um, so you know, the budget, figure out the mechanism. Like, how does your team feed those moments? Like, how, you gotta get encouraged that motion too. Like. I had a job in my past where we actually put it as part of their monthly bonus program where they had to submit a certain amount every single month because we wanted to like the, and most of that's just like get the momentum of it going because once you get the momentum and then people start seeing their interactions get recognized and get gifted and the customers start writing or calling back in being like, I can't believe you did this. This is so sweet. It really like, you know, it becomes that, that, that positivity mm -hmm. flywheel. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear kind of like what you did at Olipop, what you do it uh, at Jones Road. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's funny, your last point is resonating because I've been thinking about like we we just launched at Jones Road and it's like 
it's been like a week or two and we haven't really done anything crazy yet. And it's like, how do you get that positivity flywheel? Cause I keep telling my CX lead, I'm like the second we post that kind of stuff on Slack, all of a sudden everyone's like, okay, this is cool. I want to do yeah, this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, at Olipop, you know, a lot of this stemmed from, you know, my thinking of, like you're saying, inspired by the brands like Chewy, which it's like, you know, they are the extreme where they hire a couple hundred people that are card writers, um, which is a crazy position that, yeah when I retire, I might just, it's, it's a job <laughs> I might go into, but um, I think it's just like, you know, they're the extreme and I, I love that they proved out this model. I mean, them yeah. and Zappos proved out this model that customer obsession is actually a route to building a very profitable company, um, mm-hmm. which, which I'm obviously thankful for as, as I try to build this career of, you know, my long-term vision is proving out that putting customer experience first is, is profitable and yep. it's how you build community. It's how you build brand. But um, talking about like, you know, our surprise and delight vision was always, um, you know, thinking about, well, two things. My first question was like, A, how do you prove out that it's valuable um, from like an ROI perspective to to the CMO or whoever's wearing the numbers hat? But also, you know, what is the optimal person um, to deliver this, this experience to? And one of the books that I read, which helped me kind of form, formulate an opinion on this is uh, The Power of Moments by Dan and Chip Heath, which is you know, about breaking the script, right? It's like somebody tells the company that they're struggling from whatever and they and they get a, a box of, I don't know what, to their door. It's like, wait, what? Like, what just happened? And, and, and you know, which script do you want to break? So finding people that are celebrating either, either you know, they, he, he calls it peaks, um, peaks or valleys, like either they're cel- celebrating getting married or they're celebrating, or they're, or they're you know, going through the, the death of a loved one. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and for us at Olipop, it was always like, if we're going to spend, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads, um, let's try to create moments that cost fifty dollars. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let's spend two grand a month on on surprise and delight. And the things that kind of like, for me, it was always like, what's an email that you read that makes you pause in your tracks and be like, oh shit. Um, yeah. And that can be positive or negative. So so starting with positive, you know, like we we had somebody that ordered Olipop for their wedding, which is always kind of like, okay, that's a that's a big fan. Um, and we shipped it twice and we had an issue with the courier that we shipped it with. It was like we shipped it with Uber or something um, because they ordered like 30 cases. And um, we had an issue and, and we were like, okay, we want to do something really cool for this person that's celebrating a life moment. And, you know, Ariel on my team was was getting married as well. And she was like, hey, you know, you ordered Olipop for your wedding. You must be a big fan. Um, and you must have great taste, actually. So I'd love to see your your uh, wedding registry. And she sent us a wed- her registry and we bought her like a – a bougie waffle iron from yeah. the Olipop team, which is like, again, like it was like 200 so bucks. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like people that, you know, I, I spoke about this a couple of times, like somebody that was, you know, like sent a photo of their area, like an aerial photo from like the news, local news that they went through flooding in Louisiana from like a, a hurricane or something. And mm-hmm. we, they, he was like, I need to pause my subscription. I, I will not be able to get delivery this month. And we, yeah. You know, again, like the question, my team was like, we need to do something. What should we do? And I was like, you know, what would you do if this was your friend? And it's yeah. like, oh, well, I'd be thinking about where they're eating tonight, where they're sleeping. And yeah. we asked this person, like, are you safe? Do you have somewhere to stay? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go to my, you know, my parents. And and we sent him like a, you know, we sent him dinner, um, which again, like this guy spent $60 on soda and got a $150 DoorDash gift card. Like we definitely didn't make money on that yeah. customer that day. But again, like, you know. The you know the the long term like this is a moment that we'd love to create and I think the 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 kind of way I think about this is twofold like a you know the the less spoken about part is it gives your CX team a reason to want to keep pushing 
because mm-hmm. you feel like you're actually making someone's month. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's more exciting than like giving, you know, sending them their tracking when their package is lost. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not the, you know, monotonous, repetitive yeah. bullshit tasks that you feel like you sometimes get into in this, in this position. And then the other side of it is like both internal and external hype around the work you're doing. Right. So like yeah. sharing it on the company Slack, but also sharing it, you know, more broadly, a customer will share it. And then obviously, you know, the, the final one is, you know, the power of, moments like the the power of a customer having this and telling everyone they know that this brand is like it's clear that the people behind this are not only in it for you know for the money or for creating a great soda but they're in it because they want to change the way somebody's day is going and i think that's something we discount as leaders it's like you know we we love kind of the the you know the books that are like not we i'm saying like hustle porn leaders love the idea that like come to work and crush it and build a career and it's like we're all humans that have thoughts and feelings and emotions and i think mm-hmm. it's like when you can make somebody's day like that feels fulfilling like that feels exciting i mean yeah when we any, any of those moments that we shared it was like okay like i am i'm beaming like i feel yeah. so good about this like yeah, this yeah. person is like we blew their mind and it costed us nothing yeah. and it's like you just it's kind of addictive you just want to do you just yeah. want to do more of that yeah so. The other thing that people kind of discount, I love all the stories, is like that waffle iron, every single time they pull that out to use it, who are they thinking of? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, They have someone over and they make waffles for them. They're probably going to share that story. Let me tell tell you this crazy story. Let me tell you this crazy story. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I think like, you know, the the virality of it. Yeah, you know, it's great if it ends up on Twitter and it gets a million likes. That's all great. But the the like depth of that of that um interaction or that story is like so strong um that if you i think people sometimes don't realize like you know that's going to stay for a long time like that could stick with them for forever so um yeah those type of gifts like you know they 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 can like literally make you a customer for life yeah um i had i have a i have a charity that um that we've been supporting for a long time called charity water they build um they they're out to solve the clean water crisis around the world. They build wells and, and stuff around the world. Um, and when we moved here and got a little package a week into it with like a, a custom uh, candle on it with our, our new address on it. And it said like Michael and Christina's home that is now on our bookshelf. Every time someone comes down, like you saw my bookshelf, it's kind of, kind of cool. Uh, yeah. People, people were like, Oh, that's a really cool candle. Be like, yeah, it's from this charity. Like how many people I'm going to tell? Cause I'm never going to burn that candle. How many people am I going to tell this story to over the next, you know, 20, 30 years? Um, I think finding those things and obviously like flowers, you know, can only last for so long, but if you can find those ones where they're, this, this could stay for a while, it's, it's really valuable. I mean, and I, I think the most important thing is like the way you think about it, right? It's yeah. like, it's, it's, it's impossible to kind of copy and paste what somebody else does. Like yeah. if, if I decided that I would start sending cards to everyone, it, it would kind of be like, okay, cute. But yeah. like, like, I think it's it's often when people ask me, like, oh, how would you do Surprise and Delight? And I'm like, it, you don't want to copy and paste. Like, you want to do this, something that feels yeah. like it resonates. Like, for us as, as a, you know, at Jones Road, it's like, this is Bobby. This is her legacy. This is her brand. Like, imagine somebody getting a card from her oh. when they've been, you know, a super fan for 30 years. Heck like, yeah. that's, right? Like, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, like, you could never discount what that can make somebody feel like. We had... This is like even before we formalized the real program, we had somebody reach out that they had, you know, a niece or I think it was one of our customers had a niece uh, who was like 
going through something. Um, she had an eating disorder and she was struggling and she, you know, she, this, this, this aunt, uh, reached out saying like, you know, she's, this girl's huge, a uh, huge Bobby fan. And, you know, like she just wonders if there's anything we can do. And, and I asked, I replied saying like, which books does she already have? And she sent like a list of all these like Bobby books. Um, and we found the one book that she didn't yet have. That's Aww. like, you know, about confidence and, and, you know, that's been what Bobby's been selling and pushing for the longest time is like feeling great about your own self and not using makeup as a mask and all that stuff. So we found this book and Bobby wrote a really sweet note in it and signed it. And, and I mean, like that took us 30 seconds mm -hmm. and we made somebody's week or month or year. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like thinking about how you can leverage your own business and story. And, and, you know, like for us at Olipop, it was like the whole idea of Olipop is healthy indulgence. You know, and, and for us, it was like a waffle iron is, is indulgent. Like yeah. that was like the, the one thing on the wedding registry that resonated the most. It's got to be authentic to the brand. And if you want to yeah. make your brand like stand out from others, like you, know, you got to figure out a way to personalize and um, like have have those those interactions with those moments that really like personify your brand. Um, and yeah. it's, to your point, it's going to look different from Nugs to Olipop to Jones Road to wherever. I think the the one that you told me about a while back at Figs is like when people graduate or like get their first job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we we you know we have a couple ways. I won't, I won't spill too much of the, the secret <laughs> sauce here, but uh, we have a couple ways of learning when people get promoted. It's a really so in healthcare, obviously, for those you know who are familiar with it, you're always you're always learning. Continuing education. You're always getting more uh, degrees. You're always getting more licensures. You're getting new accreditations. Um, and so if we can find out about those, we really try to like, you know, celebrate those with customers as gifts, we'll send them, you know, you know, framed, uh, pictures of their, of their graduation moment. Um, really, you know, and unfortunately healthcare professionals are not as active on LinkedIn. If we, if we were like, <laughs> like if I was running a B2B, if I was running a B2B software sales tool, guys, yeah, like I would just the daily would just, LinkedIn post. Oh my gosh, I would just crush that. Like if I was Sales Loft or Maestro or any of these like sales enablement tools, I would just like scoop that stuff all day and just like. <laughs> I mean, you could you could do it, but yeah, healthcare professionals are not on a are not on LinkedIn, yeah. so I can't do that as much. So we we have other ways, but um, but yeah, you know, trying to find those moments like those are big moments for healthcare professionals. It is really hard to pass the NCLEX. So when a nurse finally does that, like we want to celebrate that, we want to be there to to um, tell them how proud we are of them as well, and and we are like you know, I mean, you know, we're lucky enough to serve a really special segment of customers, and um, you know, these people literally save lives for a living, and so yeah, if we can help celebrate them, it's 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 fun. It's I mean, it's so amazing. I I just got goosebumps. Um, I got goosebumps also because like I think about this often how like my job is a fucking blast, but my wife is in med school about to save lives. And it's just, yeah. it, it puts, it puts things into perspective, but like you're saying, it's like, it's pretty wild that the, your entire customer segment for the most part is like people that are saving lives from Literally. living, yeah. um, it, which is crazy, but also yeah. like the idea that you can be there to celebrate at something that's not just like, Hey, I woke up in the morning and I ran five miles, but it's like something that took them 10 years to do or 12 yeah. years to do. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. I think in terms yeah. of like providing, you know, your team members with a job that hopefully they're going to love. Yeah. To your point, like, you know, responding to lost orders and where's my order tickets and returns and exchanges. Like there's just not going to be that exciting. Like there's not a whole lot of ways to do that. 
But if you can get people excited for about one or two or three moments a day where you can really make that interaction special and really feel like, like what I think, what I think CX people do is they do emotional labor. It's not physical labor. You know, sometimes it's, it's mentally challenging. You know, some of the tools we use, I'm like, this is freaking complicated or like, especially when we're doing international and I'm like, yeah, you know, my brain just does not work in that way. Like, I'm like, how does the freaking exchange rates, um, you know, but I think it's emotional labor. And what is, and I think you have to really think about like, what is the reward for an associate for emotional labor? The emo, that you want the other side to have appreciated how emotionally laborious that was for you. And so how do you do that? You know, you get someone who calls back in and is like, I can't believe you sent me purple flowers after learning that my daughter passed from leukemia. Like hmm. that, like that is the reward of like a hard day's work. I, I love it. I never even, I never thought about it that way. I think it's like, you know, we talk about something I ask on every single interview is like, you know, anytime I interview anyone in CX, I'm like, how do you, how do you relax or kind of like unwind after a day of work? Because like you're saying, I think it's the most emotionally taxing job I've ever done for sure. Yeah. And I always say like, there's no wrong answer. The only wrong answer is like, oh, I disassociate. I don't feel anything. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know about That's that. That's not gonna work. Yeah, but it's like, I've you know, personally, I eat a bunch of chocolate and scroll through TikTok endlessly. And I'm sometimes jealous when people are like, oh, I run. And I'm like, yeah. fuck me. I wish I did that. Yeah. But, um, you know, doing something. And I, I never, I always think about the that side of it. I never think about like, what's the reward for this? Yeah. Um, because people that love Excel and are in the numbers game, they love at the end of the day, seeing something, you click one button and the formula works. You get it. <laughs> right. It feels so um, good. But yeah, like the, like in, in CX, it's like you're saying, like if you're just answering where's my order, like where's the reward? Yeah. Um, and I love thinking about it that way. It's those moments that you create, like somebody, you know, replies to an email or calls you in tears saying like this made my week. Yeah. Um, that shit. It, it, I'm not yeah. sure if you've uh, if you've read about this, like this recent. Have you heard about like the quietly quitting? Yeah. Like thing, <laughs> thing that's going on right now. The new trend. Yeah, yeah. New trend. New trend. This will probably yeah. be gone in two weeks. But yeah. that whole like concept is just like very lost on me because I'm just like, one, I don't think you can do that in CX. You definitely cannot be a good CX leader if you're quiet, quietly quitting. You should quit. You should definitely quit. Um, also like- What roles can you do that well in? Probably like, any numbers. I don't, I'm also just like, your life is only 83 years long on average in the United States. Like, please do not spend eight, even eight hours a day doing something doing you don't something care you about. Like, like, go do something else. Oh gosh! Um, but yeah, just going like, to be in our in our in our uh, podcast topic headline thing is going to be like Eli and Michael talk about quietly quitting. <laughs> I just get the clicks. That'll be the trends. That'll be the trends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just don't. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, you can't do that in six. You you have yeah. to care. You have to. And I think like as a leader, you have to hire people who care. You have to inspire them to care. And yes, not everyone's going to be the nicest person in the world. And yes, you're going to have some upset customers. And it is important to recall or remember like, you know, 99% of the time they're not upset at you. There's people have lives outside of the three minutes that they called you about their lost order. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, inspiring your people to care and like want to find those moments and want to deliver that great customer experience. I think it's like one of the, the saddest thing is like, you know, I've had a couple of occasions over my career where people have left and just like, it was clear to me that they didn't really care about customers. Yeah. And, and I, in those moments, I'm just like, I'm so glad you're leaving because you definitely should not be doing this job if you don't if you don't get so much fulfillment out of like getting that person on the phone who's like so happy that you solved their problem or like getting that customer back on the chat who um, you can make their day by by making their life just easier. 
Because it is, I think it's not spoken about enough that most of CX is not going to be like, hey, I love you guys. No. Like 99% of it is like, fuck you guys. You guys yeah. are the worst. I've been waiting yeah. weeks. That's yeah. like 99% of it. So if you can't. I, for what yeah. it's worth, though, I think that is trained behavior. Like I, I get people say yes. that to me all the time. They're like, I know you're not dealing with the best customers. I'm like, that's trained behavior. Consumers have been trained for decades to be customer like service teams will give you a hard time. And if you are a jerk to them, you will get what you want. And I think like the the way to to change that is to build processes and you you've got to first have a business model that can support this but build processes that don't make shit hard like lost yeah. orders like there isn't you and i think you and i share this i don't want to hear about your your uh lost order insurance like fucking no. hate that shit don't even get me started you, if you're <laughs> if you're an e-commerce company your job is to get the package in their hands not to get it to their door not to get it to their apartment step oh, like gosh. to get it to their hand this is um, our shared hottest take of the year. It's terrible. It's terrible. Like, make their life easier. Replace everything. Refund everything. If it's final sale, override the final sale. Like, make it easy so that when you interact with your customers, they learn to expect that that Jones Road or Fig doesn't or have whoever, to be hard. It doesn't yeah. have to be hard. They're they're going to fix it for you. It should actually be more surprising. They sh you should be you should be getting the I can't believe how hard this was. You guys mm -hmm. are always so great about this stuff. Like that's that should be the norm. Or sorry, that should be the the thing that like triggers you to realize like, oh, we've messed up. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, we, we, we are equally passionate about this one. Um, for sure. I think that I keep telling my team, I'm like, there is so much trauma around CX. Like you're saying, like everyone come, we talk about this every single week, how everyone will have four or five, six customers that came in. We call it, they come in swinging. <laughs> they're always just like ready to fight and they're yeah. ready to throw hands. And the first thing we say is like, before anything else, your order has been fully refunded. Yeah. And then the, the message back 11 times out of 10 is yeah. like, wait, what? Holy shit. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Because it's always like that because they've, like you're saying, they've been trained. It's trained behavior mm -hmm. to, to fight. Like if you yeah. don't fight, you won't get it done. And the, the sad reality is that 95% of brands do make people fight. Like some yeah. of, some of the brands that I've, you know, I'm a difficult customer. I, I've said this plenty of times, but some mm -hmm. of the, some of the brands that I've spent a lot of money on and there was a brand that I spent hundreds of dollars on over the last decade. And I reached out about something that I ordered that was 30 day return policy. I was out of the country. It was 31 days. And they no. said, no, unfortunately you missed the deadline. I'm like, and, and I wasn't mad at the CX representative no. because I'm like, this is, this is fucked. Like this yeah. is, you create a policy and you're mm -hmm. like, by no means can you step out of that box. That's number one. Number two, there's zero incentivization. They're not mm -hmm. incentivized to, to make things right. They're just like, because they don't care. They're just yeah. clicking buttons. So like you're saying, it's like, Make sure people genuinely care about this. Like the, the only time I've, I, I ever had to let somebody go and I felt awful about it was the same thing. It was like, they're good at it because they're good at clicking, but they mm -hmm. didn't love it. Yeah. And it's like the only way to get through a day of chaotic customers yeah. is genuinely caring. I have yet to see the unprofitable business because their CX team is too generous. Like I was talking to somebody about this last like, time. Like, <laughs> pick, pick. Pick the e-commerce company that's not profitable. I can promise you, it's not because they refund Too lost much. orders. Yeah. It's not because they uh, they give away. Um, it's not because they don't have the uh, delivery insurance. <laughs> no, no. There, there's way other things. Like if you can spend a hundred thousand dollars a week on Facebook, Facebook and Inst Instagram ads, I'm pretty sure you can replace lost orders for probably what will honestly be like two or three thousand dollars. It's. We, we've done this at Olipop. We've added satisfaction guaranteed on every order. Yeah. And the amount of people that actually like invoke that, like I said, lost orders, damaged orders, satisfaction guarantee, it was under 1%.
Yeah. It was yeah. like, and, and the most I've ever seen was 3%. But if you yeah. get to 3% of your orders are being refunded because of loss and damaged, yeah. that's eating into a tiny bit of your Facebook ads and it's, it's building LTV. It's mm -hmm. building customer super fans. Yeah. We, the number one comment we get when we refund something that's been lost is, wow, this was so easy. Yeah. I'm going to be a Jones Road fan forever. I mean, yeah. we get that so often that it's crazy. And it's like, I mean, I talk about this all the time. If I need to buy shoes and I can choose between DSW and Zappos. 11 out of 10 times choosing Zappos because totally. I know if it gets lost, they have my back. I'm not yeah. going to like the amount of times, Mike, that I've had companies be like, oh, have you checked your downstairs oh cousin? And I'm like, it's been two weeks since I didn't get this package. Like it's lost. Literally an hour ago. So I ordered something from overseas. I really try not to do this because I, I just know how this goes. Yeah. I'm on my second package. It was supposed to be here on Monday every single day. It just, all UPS does is like update the, update the, it'll be delivered today. I'm like, it's definitely not coming. And I feel terrible. And they emailed back, emailed me back a little bit ago. And they're like, please wait one more week. And then we're, then we're happy to look at it. I'm just like, but we know where the this worst. is going. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely never buying this product again. Um, had we you just made it easy <laughs> in the beginning, like maybe I would have. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like, the, I think people, you know, I had a boss uh, five, six years ago who said, if you expect customers to screw you, they will. And mm -hmm. it like kind of, it kind of like made me realize that like, if you build processes or controls for the very small minority of situations to the detriment of the majority of customers, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying give every single customer a 20% discount every single time they contact you. But like, to your point, like if less than 1% of your lost or if your lost, your orders go lost, um, even, you if you insurance? even if you replace it for the person and they get the second one, like, thank you. Like, great. They <laughs> yeah. still, they, so what are they gonna do? They're going to use your product again, or they're going to gift it to someone else. Like, sounds great. awful. <laughs> sounds, sounds great. Yeah. Um, right. And so, yeah, I think like, you know, if your business model can't support good customer experiences, then you've really got to like reevaluate these places where you're investing dollars. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, we say that at Olipop. It's like if, if you get the second order, we used to tell whenever we used to reship, we used to say, if you get your original order, please share it with a friend. Heck yeah. And I used to tell, I used to tell my sales, my, uh, my paid media team, I was like, I just got you a customer acquisition for the cost of the product. Mm-hmm. Like that's a no brainer. Yeah. You're spending like $87 to acquire a customer. You just got one for four or yeah. whatever. And I'm like, like it, it's just, yeah, I, I love your, your point about it's also, building systems. It's almost like kind of like a little bit of a surprise and delight. If, if that second package mm -hmm. does come, like yeah. you're kind of just like, Ooh, like I got that. Um, yeah. and the customer yeah. feels like they got, they got more value for their money. It's like, it, it's, it's never a bad thing. It's a, yeah. it's a win-win, like take it. I've, uh, yeah, and, and to reiterate, I've never spoken to a company that has lost damaged orders in excess of, of 2%, like no, ever. So I'm like, no. so, you're, so you're defaulting your delivery insurance on 100% of customers. And I also hate the, personally, I hate the idea of like, oh, so we don't have to deal with lost packages. Like You still will. They will a, definitely still, will, still contact but you. But B, that's your that's like that's our bread and butter. Like that's where we go above and beyond and create super fans. Cause we're yeah. like, oh, you lost it, here's a full refund. Like yeah. that's our that's our moment. Like yeah. I want all of that. Yeah. Hey, um last the last things that the last thing I want to touch on and then I'll let you go. Um how do you prove ROI on great customer experience? There's tons of ways to do it. Um give the folks the numbers. Okay. Well let's just do a couple. Um and uh, before I do, please recognize everyone else in your business is doing this. Like 
everyone else claims attribution on everything. So like if you're in CX <laughs> and you don't, you don't feel like you should get to claim that, like, trust me, everyone else does is it and their math is no, is no, no more, yeah. <laughs> no more accurate. So let's do a couple. So, um, this was what, you know, I, I think you read the gorgeous, um, revenue playbook that they released a week ago. They had one in there about take every chat for the last 60 days, look up the email, see if the customer's ordered in the last seven days or sorry, in the next preceding seven days mm -hmm. and figure out if that, if the question they asked you about chat was related to the product they bought, claim, claim the revenue. Um, on the surprise and delight side, you can look at uh, repeat order rate prior to their surprise and delight and repeat order rate after their surprise and delight and how much lift you get in LTV by the increased order rate. Um, CX interactions, you can, uh, you can simply just look at the LTV of customers who have never contacted you versus the LTV of customers who have contacted you. Um, uh, you can look at the, the LTV trajectory of repeat order customers against uh, of people who have contacted you versus not contacted you. So this is to say, as a customer, because what's going to happen is as customers buy from you more and more, the likelihood that they're going to contact you is, is going to go up. So there's a little bit of self-fulfilling prophecy that people who contact CX are worth more. Mm -hmm. What you can do is compare those two and say like, hey, I'll take these this same group of customers who have ordered seven times from us and look at the people who have contacted CX who have and have never contacted CX and see where their LTV trajectories go. Love There's it. so many ways that you can prove out the impact of your team. And also sometimes it'll show you some of your warts too. Like you can look at it by types, like let's do lost orders. Let's look at the... LTV of every single customer who's ever had a lost order, every single customer who's contacted CX about a lost order. Um, you can do some of those to kind of show some of those places where, hey, maybe this isn't a great experience or, or first order repeat, 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 or, repeat, first order repeat rate. Look at those um, in comparison to whether they've contacted your CX team or not. I mean, this, huh. is, this is all genius. And I think that from the technical perspective, a lot of this can be done with like, if it's tagged and it, you know, if your customer reached out on gorgeous, you can pull that into Clavio. Yeah. Clavio and gorgeous are integrated pretty well, but also like, you know, I think eventually, you know, companies like gorgeous will go towards the, 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 you know, they're, they're working on their new revenue portal, but I think it'll mm -hmm. go towards the direction of being able to track this kind of stuff right yeah. now. It's, it's basically tracked on like if a customer reached out to CX and purchased within a couple of days, it's, it's on their revenue portal. So for us, we do a lot of shape matching. So all that is, is, is kind of counted in that, but, um, we also, what we did, which is, um, isn't super simple, but we basically, we tag all these customers as shade match on gorgeous, or we tag as lost order. Anything you tag on in gorgeous, um, is getting tagged on the gorgeous portal, not on the customer Shopify portal, but you mm -hmm. could use a tool like alloy, um, which is like an, if this, then that for e-commerce, so you can use a yeah. tool like alloy to, if a customer is tagged on gorgeous as X, tag them in Shopify as X, and then use yeah. whatever BI tool you're using. Um, to look at customers tagged as Y versus customers tagged as, as X LTV. Yeah. And, and I mean, we've seen across the board, customers that reach out on shade matching are like 90% higher LTV over 90 days. Mm -hmm. I mean, just crazy, crazy numbers. But yeah. Yeah. When I was, I was previously at a subscription startup and yeah, the, you would think customers contacting you about billing or pricing issues would be net negative, but what we actually could, could find was like three to four times higher LTVs of customers who had an interaction with our team. Because basically what they get, they, they take this opportunity where 
they were sold and maybe they they didn't remember like everything about their initial sales interaction. But when they talk to a CX person who's maybe not as incentivized by just getting the mm-hmm. sale, they kind of like reaffirm the value proposition and then they end up being a better mm-hmm. customer. Um, fascinating. Yeah. Wow. That's very, that's very fascinating. So the days of saying customer experience is, is not, you know, the cost not, center. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you Those days are over. Well, yeah, I mean, I, th- I mean, in fairness, I do think there are some businesses like, you know, I, I have, I have some sympathy for, you know, people that run like airline, you know, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're running like CX for an airline or something like that, like, I don't know how you do it. Like it's, it's just hard. Um, do you know anyone that does that? I don't. <laughs> I tried to reach out to some guy actually this morning, the guy, yeah. uh, from, like the head of CX at Delta. I tried to reach out to him on LinkedIn. I was like, I'd love to do a newsletter. I would about have that. so many questions about like, just how they do it. How do you I wake mean, up in the morning? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, those are businesses where you know they're they they have like a legitimate case to be deflecting tickets because you know they they but I mean in fairness those also are businesses where you know if they had better apps or if they had better self serve tools like I definitely don't want to call Delta and wait online for forty five minutes to talk to them, yeah. but if I can't rebook my my uh, flight Cancel on flight, your app yeah. if I can't cancel it without like talking to someone, um, if I mean. You, you know, I'm a, I'm a really loyal American Airlines, and, and there's just like sometimes. Now it's good to, because you're in you're in Philly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that, I mean, that's probably actually that's actually why probably originally <laughs> flying out of here Chose so much. Philly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's times where I'm just like, man, I, this could be. I definitely don't want to contact you. This you don't need this interaction. Um, but I can't do this without without involving you. So there are some businesses where that is much more challenging. But if the majority of your of your of your customers are in that D 2 C ecom space, um, you know, I remember a couple of months ago there was uh, Jason Lumpkin tweeted out something. He's like, "It's funny, B two B businesses can't answer uh, a call within an hour, but B two C companies yeah, right. are, are answering in three seconds." And I and it really, especially because I came from a I came from a big B two B company prior to this, and um, it's so true. Um, Crazy. You know, if you're if you're a B two C company, you can really you can really deliver some outstanding, uh, personalized like high touch experiences, and still deal with some of that that kind of lower lower touch stuff. Crazy. Well, it's been an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> we it could go like I ten. I could definitely do this for like hours more. But I know this we'll has been that for a future one. The, this has been a blast. I've yeah, been same. I've been dreaming about talking to you on a recorded line um, <laughs> for a hot minute. So I you mean, don't know, this is... but actually I had last time you were, last time we were in my place, I had our, at our Siri recording our whole conversation. Boom. So yeah. we can, we can actually use that as a podcast as well. Yeah, but um, yeah. I, this, I mean, we have, we, we can talk for hours and I, it's, I, I love using you as an example for somebody right that's building. You. No, you're, you're building at this, like at this scale. Um, like I'm trying to do things differently, but you're trying to do things differently at a company that's, you know, massive. Um, yeah. and it's been, it's, I've been, yeah, inspired well, watching you. Yeah. You know, so. one of, one of the, one of the cool moments for me was like a week ago, uh, one of our tier three associates, shout out to Rachel. Uh, I got on a call with her and she was just like, I saw your, your, uh, call or your part in Eli Weiss's newsletter. <laughs> I was like, do you follow him? And she's like, yeah, I'm a huge Olipop fan. So I've been oh following him back gosh. in the day. She's like, that is so cool. And I was just like, look at this. Eli's getting me cred with my employees. I feel <laughs> I feel so grateful. I had this at a dinner this week. Somebody was like, um, they were like, I'm a huge fan. And I'm like, who are you even talking to? Like, I disassociate my online persona from like me as a person. Like, yeah. because I, I've just, 
I'm an introvert. So my yeah. whole online persona is my mission to make CX cool. Yeah. And I like fail to piece those two together that it's 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 tied to my name. Yeah. So when people recognize me at a D2C event, I'm just mm-hmm. like, I want to bury myself. But you also have you have, you have a fairly recognizable name, a fairly yeah, recognizable right? face. face. Like you're yeah. gonna get it. I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thankfully I'm in Philly, so there aren't many, you know, yeah. D2C you people walk, recognizing me at walk around Zahab, LA maybe but, so much. Yeah, right. Um this has been such been a pleasure. Yeah, same. Yeah. Same. Well, let's do it again. All right, man. Talk soon. Thanks so much.